Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Looking around, I finally see I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free Well, today I'm joined by uh, Ryan Steva, and uh, he's a homesteading consultant. And uh, I want to learn a lot more about that, but we got some other topics we're going to talk about today. And uh, Ryan, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Thanks, Harold. Glad to be on. I'm glad to have you. Um, now, I read a little bit of your bio here, and I kind of checked out your websites and stuff, and it's really fascinating. But I want you to just kind of tell us, you know, what got you going down this path? Where where'd you kind of come from, and how'd you get here? Sure. Um, well. Probably almost 15 years ago now, uh, I had a health kind of a health crisis that landed me in the hospital. Um, and I was living in Minnesota at the time, so I was able to get to the Mayo Clinic, but it took uh, either like six or nine months to get there. And um, in that time, I learned a lot about health, a lot about how I could change my diet to improve my health. Um, and when I got to the Mayo, I was given information that was really to be honest, there's a leading expert in the condition I had uh, who gave me advice that honestly, I think would have left me in a wheelchair most of my life. Um, so that it really opened my eyes to there's something broken about a lot of our systems. And one of them is our food system and our health system that kind of they kind of go hand in hand. Um, so I really started diving down that road or, you know, getting in that rabbit hole um, and found a whole bunch of information about growing my own food and got really, really interested in that. Uh, and I'm somebody who just researches like crazy. Once I find a topic I'm interested in. Um, so uh, this may be an encouragement to others. My first garden that I tried was like this terrible uh, pallet, like vertical pallet garden that <laughs> <laughs> was found on, I, I don't know, Pinterest or something. Uh, and it was, yeah. it was terrible. It grew nothing. Um, everything dry out dry. really fast, don't they? Yeah. It dried <laughs> out really fast. I had issues with, uh, all the nitrogen being consumed by the wood that it was in contact with, which there's other things you could do to mitigate that, but nothing, basically the, the gist of it is nothing grew. And I realized I needed to learn a lot more than I thought I needed to learn. Um, and so I just, it's been this, you know, decade plus journey of, of learning that stumbling into permaculture, uh, coming across people like you, uh, people like Joel Salatin, Jack Spearco, mm -hmm. Nicole Sauce, and others who uh, have really encouraged me not only to um, do better at what I'm doing as far as homesteading, um, but also really push me into uh, starting my own businesses and um, being more self-reliant in, in a lot of other ways as well. Yeah. Your journey sounds 
kind of similar to mine, you know, as far as the health and the yeah. kind of the journey into searching out a better way for the the system there, the food and health. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. Now, did you always have a desire to kind of go into homesteading when you was a kid or is this something that was completely new to you after the health crisis? So I grew up, um, that I guess looking back on it, I'd say poor, but I never thought of it that way. Like I didn't have a ton of resources and we did live on some property. So like we had, we had goats and chickens for part of my life as a kid. Um, but they weren't really productive. They were almost more like pets, but uh, we got eggs and things, but our goats weren't, weren't especially, and we got milk from the goats occasionally, but, um, I had to figure like I had to figure out how to make things, how to build things, how to interact with the physical world. And so all that kind of made sense to me, at least on some level. Mm -hmm. And I was homeschooled. So I always had a little bit of a skepticism towards <laughs> uh, towards the general story, you know, like the story that the media just hands to us. Um, I always had a little bit of a skepticism towards. So there's Everybody always a little bit of that. I think it's really good. Even if you don't go uh, full bore down the rabbit hole, if you yeah. uh, take everything with a grain of salt and try and understand where the, where the actual story lies. Um, even if you just listen to like the two sides of the dichotomy and go, you know, I'm being told a lot of things and yeah. something's clearly not quite right. Um, I think that's, even if that's all the further you go, that's really helpful. I became a mild conspiracy theorist the day I realized the food pyramid was completely upside down. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, you've been feeding me this lie my whole life. <laughs> yeah. I think with the exception of sugar, you're absolutely right. It's like yeah, exactly yeah. inverted. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, I seen some, I just see somebody shared a, a Facebook post just today. I saw it this morning and it, it was saying something about experts are saying that sugary cereal is actually healthier for you than meat. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, when you start, uh, this is an interesting term and I don't know if your followers or, or your listeners will be familiar with it, but the finords or the the, the disinformation hidden in, tr in plain sight. Yeah. And anytime you see that experts say, um, yeah. it's uh it's an immediate cue to their yeah. cue to, to look elsewhere or at least dig a little deeper at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you, I mean, you, the, the kind of upbringing you had, I'm sure it was a little bit out of the system, which is, yeah. which is good. Um, so I'm mean, sure that helped you kind of think outside the box when, when it came time to, with your own health issues to start looking a little deeper into it. Yeah. It sounds like that done you some good. And I, yeah. you're healthy now though. I assume you, the, the changing what you changed kind of straightened all yeah. that up, huh? Yeah. And the specific condition, um, was a, it's a periodic paralysis issue. So my oh, whole wow. body can actually be paralyzed. Um, ever since that event, uh, change Like I, what I didn't realize before the event was I had lived my entire life, even playing sports as a, a pretty accomplished athlete, like, um, uh, I was functioning at, at a much lower percentage than I could. So I feel better now, uh, almost 40 when, that I did in my twenties. Yeah. Um, I feel quite a bit better and a lot more energetic. My brain works a lot better. Uh, there's some huge differences and it's not that I ate, like I ate better than the average American. I really didn't eat fast food much at all, uh, before finding out about the condition, but um, I've shifted away from to, at this point where we're as much as we can, you know, local, uh, local farmers that we buy from, or I raise my own meat chickens, um, you know, things like that, where I'm, we're bringing in almost as much, as much as we 
can afford to and, and feasibly do, we're bringing in uh, locally sourced stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me a little bit about your homestead. So you are homesteading right now. So yeah. what kind of things are you doing? Well, right now I've got a decent sized garden. I've got chickens um, and they're my, my chickens at home are egg laying chickens. And then I'm working with somebody else who has uh, six acres and her and I are uh, collaborating together. So she runs meat chickens. I've built a couple of tractors and a really nice automated brooder and things. And so we raise the meat chickens there. Um, it, so you don't have a lot of land. So you're just kind of helping. Correct. Yeah. yeah I've got a, a, that's brilliant. actually. Yeah. No, I love it. It's, it's really, really nice to be able to work with people and, yeah. and uh, merge our skill sets. So she's excellent at taking care of animals and critters and making sure that they're cared for and paid attention to and raised in a really good way. And I really understand the nuts and bolts of, of how the physical world and structures of things work. So I can build that setup. Uh, I can do the the processing and she can do the raising and it works out being a, a pretty good split of labor and effort and things. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I love doing it that way. Um, at that place, we've set up a bit of a, a permaculture um, example, I'm trying to think of a better word for it, but where people can actually come and see certain permaculture principles in action. Nice. Um, so raising the chickens is is somewhat part of that to involve. We hope to involve community and we've brought a lot of different people out just to, to see what we're doing there. Uh, so there's like a big gravity fed water system and uh, a garden that intertwines uh, chickens with with the garden itself. So they fertilize it and maintain it in the winter and things. So yeah, we've, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. My homestead isn't huge. I've got an acre and a half, but a lot of it is really hilly and really wooded. So yeah, you're in Tennessee. So people know where you're at. Yeah. 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 I'm in uh, kind of central Tennessee and just a little bit East where you start hitting the, hitting the kind of foothills there. Yeah. Um, so I love my property and I'm working on slowly transitioning. Like it was clear cut, maybe, 20 years ago or so. Mm. So now I'm going through and cutting out all the weed trees that grew up and putting in chestnuts and, uh, and other, and letting oaks and walnuts and other things that were already there grow. Yeah. Um, in fact, my, the, my home is a, is a log cabin that's made of chestnut. So, nice. uh, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. but it means there's a lot of chestnut in the area when I, uh, when the homestead was originally settled. Yeah. Not a lot now though, huh? No, <laughs> no. <cleaned> it out. <laughs> yeah, there's a few Chinese chestnuts at like neighboring homes, but uh, I've yeah. put in the Dunstan chestnuts, which are a uh, much higher percentage uh, American chestnut. Nice. Well, I'll go back to what you, you said you were doing with this other person. Man, I think that is just a, I mean, not, I know we want to get on to other things, but yeah, what a great example of something somebody can do who doesn't have a lot of property is you just get with other people who do and, and, and kind of work together with them to, you know, and, and kind of be able to help them, let them help you. And I like that sense of community and working together and both of you get the benefit from that. I think that's a great option maybe for people who, you know, only have a half acre, an acre and doing a little bit of homesteading, but then maybe there's this, an older couple or something that can't do some of the things you could use their property and they could benefit from it as well. I mean, I see a whole, a, a bunch of options there for, for uh, something like that to to happen and be able to just make way better use of everybody's property. That's, that's good. That's really neat. Yeah, absolutely. I've really enjoyed working, working with her. And um, I actually have a, uh, 
a video channel on YouTube that's uh, centered around some of the things we're doing at the farm, which is uh, if you look up Love Farm Tennessee or Love Farm TN on YouTube, you'll you'll find the stuff. Um, but uh, I did like homestead hacks and things on her her property, and she calls it Love Farm. Uh, it's it's but it's really cool to be able to partner with somebody who otherwise wouldn't necessarily have um, the skill set to do it or the time to do it. Um, she has a certain amount of time because she's on the property, which is why she takes care of the chickens and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it, it really is a, a cooperative um, relationship that I think is, I've really enjoyed. I think she's really enjoyed. And there's really no reason you can't do it with people in your area. There's a mm-hmm. lot of land that's just being mowed or left left to go and if you can it's not like you can just generally speaking step onto somebody's property and go hey can i use your property um but if if you can build that relationship and build a rapport and be able to say something like could i run meat chickens on your property and tell them and and once you've built that rapport be able to say these meat chickens are going to make your grass grow faster they're going to like they're going to improve your pasture space that's not being cared for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might consider like if in trade for using their land, maybe they get a, several of the chickens when you're done with them. Yep. Um, yeah. Working with other people and using land rather than having to buy a huge property is, is huge. I, I was talking to somebody here just a few months ago and, and they were working with a business that had a bunch of land and was doing some stuff like that with this local business. I've seen people do that with church properties. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of just, mowed grass out there that could be yeah. turned into something really useful for for people if uh people just utilized it right i mean I, grass is a well, probably the number one crop in america that's not getting used right yeah, i mean absolutely. don't do anything with it it's just amazing so yeah that's great stuff right there well yeah. now coming on date well, let's first let's talk about what you do for a living you got a couple different things you're doing so let's talk a little bit about that yeah uh so my first business uh that i started was is home inspection so uh, i'm licensed in the state of tennessee as a home inspector so i do um basically i evaluate homes a lot of people know what it what that is already Mm -hmm. but um when you in most cases when you're purchasing a home you're going to want to get a home inspection and that just entails a an inspector going through and checking all the different visual visually accessible systems so a home inspector is is kind of a generalist as far as understanding uh, systems in uh, in a home. So, you know, that's anything from the slope of the home, uh, slope of the yard towards the home, or the roof, or the you know um, the electrical, the plumbing, uh, the structural stuff that's visible. Um, all of that is something that I go through and I, in a very detailed way, make notes of, uh, take pictures and videos, and put it in a a format for the for the purchaser of the property to be mm-hmm. able to see and evaluate uh, what they feel like is is acceptable and unacceptable and then they can negotiate from there uh, if they want to with the with the seller so it's just a, a home inspection is is a pretty simple process in one sense but it it from my end it needs to be really detailed and, and careful so that's that's my first business is what now with that is did you that require some special licensing I mean it's probably different yes. in every state. So what kind of training or schooling do you have to go through to get something like that? Just out of curiosity. So there's in most states, there's a 90 hour, so 90 credit hour uh, training process. I actually went through 120 hours because I wanted to kind of go above and beyond and make sure I was ready. And then 
Um, some states require ride-alongs with other inspectors. Mm -hmm. Some don't. Um, Tennessee does not. I did it anyways for about nine months. Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of different requirements in different states. Some states don't even require a license. Mm. Um, but if you are working with somebody, you probably want a licensed home inspector. Uh, well, let me put it this way. They don't require the training that I went through, uh, the licensing process but they may require some type of business licensing. So yeah. having somebody that, that has gone through that whole training process is really important. Yeah. I could see uh, that being something, I mean, uh, not just for a business, but I mean, now that you've got that, even if you decided not to do that with, for mm -hmm. a career, that what a useful, what useful knowledge that is to have for just your own home or just if you ever go to buy another home or anything. I mean, you, you got the knowledge to really know what you're looking for there and really uh, well, not, not get kind of uh, taken advantage of for one thing, but also just knowing what needs to be fixed on a house is it'd be some valuable knowledge to have. Yeah, no, I grew up uh, fixing homes, renovating homes, um, worked with a master electrician in college and did a lot of other similar things. Um, and so it was a, it was an easy fit, but I've learned so much. Yeah. Um, especially like trying to figure out the source of a problem uh, a lot of times people like myself included will look at a problem and, and think, well, the problem is the thing that you see, but most of the time it's something that you don't see caused the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's mold that's in the wall. What's going on behind yeah. that wall? <laughs> right. And a lot of people think, well, if I just spray the mold and get rid of the mold, yeah. mold we're good. Right. And it's no, there's, there's a moisture issue somewhere, yeah. <clears throat> you know, whether that's plumbing or, or a roof leak or something else. Right. Yeah. Well, awesome. And your other job is? <laughs> so my other job is homestead uh, consulting and design. So I work with clients to understand them individually, understand the property individually, and then kind of through a permaculture lens, create a, a design and a plan for them for their property based on their unique desires and uh goals and things yeah uh now why did you decide i love permaculture but you don't have to be a permaculture person to homestead i mean you can homestead in a more conventional way and um obviously you feel like permaculture is a better way to homestead i mean is that the reason you went with like permaculture design <laughs> Uh, as far as like trying to consult people on homesteading or do you do also do more of a conventional um, if somebody prefers like a more conventional, conventional design, do you take permaculture out of it or do you still try to implement some permaculture into well, a design? Yeah. I, I think of it as being, so I, I, my tagline is um, homestead consulting and design through a permaculture lens. Okay. So nobody's going to come to you for a more conventional setup anyway, probably. Probably not. But uh, in the cases that they do, I, uh, things that I'm not, I'm probably not going to put together are like broad acreage monocropping. Right. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm generally going to steer somebody away from that or tell them I'm probably not a great fit. Yeah. Uh, however, um, you know, if somebody is going to do, say, more conventional grazing as opposed to a really good, um, you know, rotational grazing or where, where they're actually mob stocking and moving the animals consistently. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm, I'm going to help people design what fits them. Some people can't move their animals every day and that's totally yeah. understandable. Sure. Yeah. 
So I'm not stuck on like, you have to do everything the permaculture way. Um, but I think that ideas like function stacking or, you know, some of the ethics that come along with permaculture are really valuable tools in setting up your homestead. Yeah. Setting up your life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Function stacking for life. In yes, general. Like, yes. You can do a whole podcast on how to function stack in a business. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. The topic we really, you wanted to kind of talk about was trade-offs. Yeah. So let's, let's just dive into that. So you're coming in and, and you want to talk to somebody about their property or their design and you're going to discuss with them trade-offs. So what is a trade-off? Yeah. Basically every decision that we make every day is a trade-off. We're choosing between one thing or another. And some of those are going to be fairly quick and fairly easy. And they should be. We don't want to get hung up on everything, but it's important to understand. And I think sometimes we forget this, that when we choose one thing, we're choosing not to do another thing mm -hmm. or not to address another thing. So there's um, there's no, this is a uh, uh, quote that I heard is that there's no trade-offs or there's no solutions. There's only trade-offs, mm -hmm. um, meaning there's there might be a, a good way to do something. But there's a reason why another way might be a, a good way as well. Or it's a matter of, of degrees as opposed to one thing being the, the correct solution. Yeah. Can you give me an example of that? Like what we specifically you might be talking about? Yeah. Um, one way we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show, but um, growing your own food. Mm -hmm. There's a trade-off in growing your own food. So it's going to take time and maybe you're somebody who makes enough money that um, that time is more valuable spent doing something else. So that's time and money, but then you may, you may value it differently. If you think about um, what the health benefit is to being in the garden or um, what, if, if you lost your job, would you still be able to buy that really good food? Yeah. And if you know how to grow it, you'll always be able to have it. So there's all these things to weigh when you're considering making the decisions you're making mm -hmm. and time versus money is, is one simple one that we're all familiar with, but there's so many additional decisions that, or, or factors, the, the kind of common quote in permaculture, I think made popular by Jack Spearco is it depends yeah. you know, when, when you're thinking about, should I do this or should I do that? Um, well, it depends. What is your goal? Yeah. What is your what is your intent? Um, so I end up having a lot of clients ask me, well, which thing should I do or which thing should I pick? And um, I have a tendency to rather than saying you should do this, it's well, here's here's the kind of weighing the the cost benefit analysis, the you know, the trade-offs of each of these things which suits your situation best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know when, 
something I think about is like when I first started doing this, we had half the yard we have now, even it was, you know, we bought the lot next to us a few years later, but originally we just had a really small lot and I, I was looking to grow as much food as I, I could. So it's like, I, I just filled the entire place up with like raised beds and I'm planting everything, growing everything. And, and then we started having grandkids and they start like staying over overnight and then they get a little older and then they want to play. And it's like, we don't have a yard from the play. And, you know, so I started taking right. out a few raised beds to put in like a swing set and some play area, you know, and it's, it was a trade-off, you know, it's like, okay, I can grow a little less food. We have a place for the grandkids to play and then it's back and forth, you know, and, and you're, there is, there's just things you kind of think, well, I got to value this over this right now. And that could change even a couple of years later. And, you know, you're, so your trade-offs often even change as things just change in your life. So you, you find a different way or, you know, a way that that still works out. But yeah, that was just an example that came to my mind when you were talking about it. Yep. Yeah. And one of the things that I think about with trade-offs as well, just personally, I was telling you what I've done on my property so far. And a lot of people listening would probably think even yourself, an acre and a half is a lot of space and it is. And so I've been, I've been actually really careful in trying not to expand more than I can, I can take care of at a given time Mm -hmm. and to think really carefully. So when I put something in, then I learn a little bit more about the system that I've got and it helps me design it better for the next stage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so, you know, it, it, I see why it's important to understand that. I mean, uh, how do you kind of think beyond just the basics though? I mean, it's somebody, I feel like it's something that's like, you can tell somebody there's trade-offs, but how do you help somebody kind of understand how to think about trade-offs? Is there kind of a, it's kind of a teaching thing to me though. It's like yeah. something all for all of life, really. I mean, can you explain that a little bit? Maybe think, it, to me, obviously you're probably trying to help people always think out every decision they're going to make. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not so much about like understanding one given solution or one right. given situation. Um, so one of the things I like to recommend to people is look at somebody else's situation and evaluate it really honestly, like try to be fair about how you're evaluating it, how to, to an extent, how you would think of it, but then take somebody else's situation. Cause it's way easier to do for when you're not having to make the decision for yourself and go through and think about their situation and all the trade-offs that they are faced with when they're making the decision for their given situation. So they may have a a hard situation to deal with um, or a choice they have to make. Let's say it's uh, selling their house and, and moving rural or, you know, continuing to stay in their HOA, like, to you and I, that might seem like a, an easy thing, but yeah. let's, you know, let's actually be honest about it and think about, you know, conveniences or closeness to family or to jobs or whatever, and actually sit down and think through all the different trade-offs that person has to make to make a proper decision as to what's the most beneficial to them, to their family, to their finances, to their health. Um, and so using somebody else's situation to actually think about all the different questions you should be asking. So you're not married to the thing that, that maybe you're getting tripped up on. And then you can start applying that to your space that's, or to your life. That's good advice. I, yeah. It is so much easier. It's funny how with our own lives, there's like this blind spot or just the, mm-hmm. the, um, the reality of, okay, this is real for me, you know, and these are changes I got to make. It's so much easier to look at somebody else's life, somebody else's situation and just, 
think about their stuff. Well, that's an easy decision, but when applied to yourself, it doesn't seem so easy or it seems a lot more permanent. Like I just know I'm planning my property. I can look at somebody else's property and go, oh, I'd put this there and that there and this there. But you know how many times I've changed things around my property because I made bad decisions the first time and I had to move something and change stuff. And it is, it's just so much easier to look out than it is to look within, isn't it? Absolutely. And I've heard it said a lot to if you want to get into designing systems, design somebody else's yeah. first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you'll, one, you'll definitely have a harder time committing to your own stuff than what it is to make somebody else's decisions for them. For absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And one of the things I realized is I started uh, helping others several years ago because the the farm, the love farm in, in uh, Tennessee that um, I've been helping out with, that was well before I had a business doing it. It was just something I was doing because I wanted to. And one of the things that doing that helped me realize was I'm really, I'm not set up for water, you know, the way that I should be. I'm not catching water, I'm mm-hmm. not storing water. Um, I have a spring on the property. So I do have some source of water, but it's actually on the lowest part of the property. So yeah. it's tough to get it back no, up. Yeah. Um, so there's, that really changed my mind about uh, realizing how much I needed uh, needed to be storing and utilizing water better and moving water better across the property, which is moving water across a, a very sloped property is is a big challenge. Yeah, yeah. Too bad that spring went on the top, huh? I mean, <laughs> exactly. A bunch more you could do with it. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Well, yeah, that's really good stuff there. I mean, uh, so yeah, designing your own property and just planning it out. I mean, again, you're going to commit to some things and yeah, it's so much easier just to look at somebody else's than it is to look at your own. But yeah, I get that for sure. Um, right. But it is something that if you're going to homestead in the most productive or best way, it's really important. I mean, I've come to realize that it's just more than throwing some seeds and some soil and growing some stuff. If you really want to live the lifestyle it starts with planning. You really got to think about the layout, especially in the smaller your property is, the more important that is. I mean, you're thinking about every, every zone, every sector, everything it affects. And, and just, I mean, you got to consider the sun, the wind, the, I mean, shade, you know, uh, uh, heat sinks, everything. I mean, everything comes into play, especially on a smaller property. So that's definitely, I think even a bigger challenge, but I also find it pretty rewarding when you can get it right. Cause you can yeah. really think, well, I did something there, you know, that, probably wouldn't have happened so easily had I not really thought this out. Absolutely. And to be honest, I think small properties, they actually have a lot of value in being able to design and to learn design. Um, I'm, I'm at my church right now doing this interview and there's a, there's this little old playground. They just bought the property and there's this old playground that I think um, that I'm going to design for um <clears throat> for you know through permaculture but we can use things like solar aspect and yeah. uh heat sink and uh, and thermal mass and things like that to like one of the one of the ideas is is putting fig trees uh right next to the brick thermal mass of the building on the west side of the building because mm-hmm. that stays hot and keeps it a lot warmer through the winter um now i've actually seen fig trees in my area become trees as opposed to Generally, you only see them as bushes, but yeah. um, in in Nashville, I've seen them on several homes where people have put them by on the south or west side of a uh, a brick home, and they're actual trees. You know, they're like yeah. fifteen feet tall, and putting out figs 
almost right like really fast yeah, um, yeah. it's fast growing tree anyway yeah i got one <laughs> yeah. right and so those those small space designs uh you can fit a lot in there you can you can spend a lot more time in that space because you're not trying to maintain a large area. So the design can be really interesting, really intricate. Whereas if you're designing a bigger property, you have to think a lot more about how much time and maintenance is it going to take me to, to keep this going. Yeah. Um, and, and I've noticed that for a lot of people, you get like say rhizomial grasses that get into garden spaces and people want to do these pathways and, and uh different shapes and things and it's like that's great in certain areas at least where i live and where i function we've got uh we've got bermuda grass that gets into everything unless you have a a physical border on the ground and so for me a, a traditional square garden where there's as little edge space around the outside as possible ends up being the best option yeah yeah, instead, I find just instead of fighting stuff like that and always just get some big giant slate stones and lay down because it can't grow through that. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, you know, and make that your walkways. It's a lot more expensive or maybe you're just different things you can do like that because it's it's you have to take every little piece of that into in to, to thought and really do something with it. And that's why I think uh, what you're offering is people maybe, you know, think, well, you know, I just want to design my own property, but it's really helpful sometimes to have somebody come in from the outside and just get a different perspective on it. Yeah. And not with, without a personal attachment too, because we make a lot of bad decisions sometimes when there's this personal attachment, you know, and sometimes we just need somebody that's detached from it to yep. look at it, you know, just broadly and go, yeah, that's not the best move. And let me tell you why. And so I think what you're doing there is it's a great, um, it can be a great help to somebody for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I've considered getting a, a consult for my property just for that sake yeah, is yeah. to to have somebody else come in and go, yeah, that's not a bad idea, but maybe this would work better. Yeah. I've um, heard stories of people who, who, you know, that they're, they're really in touch with permaculture design and whatnot, but they've had somebody come on their property and go, oh, no, wait a minute. And yep. you, you hear those stories and it's like, well, I would have hired that guy to do my property, but he hired somebody to check out his property because you know, <laughs> it's like, they just take a different viewpoint from it. And like I said, being detached helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have a, a common friend who's, um, had several permaculture mm-hmm. consultants come on their property. Um, and I've, I've actually worked with others who have, who have had people follow me and, or, you know, come after me and do it, do an evaluation to make sure that there's at least some commonality or to see where the common threads are that make mm-hmm. the most sense. Um, and I've had people like a lot of people will, will take what they like and take what they don't like. Um, for the most part, I think designs, tend to, as long as you're paying attention to the property, so the water flow, the access, the energy flow across the property, um, and factoring in the personal goals of the people you're working with and their personalities and things, you'll come out with a similar idea, um, but there might be little little tweaks and changes or things that, that that person sees in the design that they decide that they don't want to follow. And that's totally okay. You know, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. They're hiring me to to get some ideas and make sure that they're essentially, in many cases, make sure they're not making a larger mistake in placement and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Let's just step back a minute here and let's just put an example out there. If somebody's got an acre of ground, they they want to grow food. They want to start homesteading. They would love to raise some animals. They only got an acre. They got a house. It's relatively flat, maybe got a few trees. Um, 
but they really can't hire, they can't afford to hire a consultant. And now that might be questionable on whether you can or not, because a, con- a good consultant can save you money. We right. both know probably, but let's just say they're not going to hire a consultant, but what would you say? Okay. Th- you're going to take into the consideration trade-offs. They work full-time. Maybe you have a couple, they both work full-time. They're wanting to get into the homesteading thing. What would you, kind of advice would maybe you could give them as far as what to think about as sure. far as like trade-offs and what they need to be doing or whatnot. Say they live in your area. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things to think about is making things that, that aren't crazy maintenance intensive, thinking about how to make, how to set up a system that doesn't take your constant input. Mm -hmm. Um, That's actually to a large extent, my situation, because I work full time outside of the house. Um, So I'm not home a lot. A lot of times I'm not home until eight, nine, 10 at night and don't really have time to, to move animals around and things. So there so consider that in your design consider if you want to go on vacation and Mm, how easy it is for somebody else to take care of which is why i haven't added certain other animals to my property at this point because i want to be able to not have to be tied constantly to my property um so things i would consider are things like uh trees that Mm. once they're established can pretty much do their own thing maybe you put uh some type of co-planting underneath like comfrey or uh, uh, other perennials that don't necessarily need constant weeding, uh, things that you can mow around, uh, maybe a, a blackberry hedge where you can kind of mow up to the edge of it. Um, another thing I really like is heavy mulch because that's going to, so if you're doing a garden, um, doing deep wood chips um, really or other mulches, can really help in, in weed growth. So if you're not in watering water retention, so you don't have yeah. to water it every day. Um, I think chickens, especially egg laying chickens, if you set up the run and their coop, right? Like mine, I can leave for a week and basically tell my neighbors, Hey, collect all the eggs you want. You can keep them. Uh, they don't have to like mine set up. So they don't have to worry about water. Uh, my neighbors don't have to worry about feeding them. It all just gets taken care of automatically. But it would be nice to also have eyes on that every day just to make sure it's working too. That's a good policy. Exactly. Because my, well, part of that too is my dog is just a tremendous, uh, uh, he's great at keeping predators away. Mm -hmm. It's his duty to to do the perimeter of the property uh, several times a day, which he loves. Um, So that's great. But when we're not there, he's not there. Yeah. And so having, having the neighbors come down once a day, get eggs for free and take two or three minutes to do that and just make sure there aren't any dead chickens around right. um, yeah. is, is really helpful. Um, another thing that people who are in the situation you're talking about, something I really love and I'm planning on doing a video on soon is um, what I call the victory garden on steroids. Oh, so yeah. if you're familiar with the victory garden where you yeah. have uh, a, a garden that's bifurcated into two sections and the chickens maintain one section for a year and uh and you grow on the other section for the other for that year and then you swap them so the chickens maintain and so they fertilize it they maintain it they keep it weed free they keep it largely bug free um if you add into that wood chips or or another deep mulch Mm -hmm. you can keep you can actually use that space as a slow compost area so instead Mm -hmm. of doing a compost pile which requires a bunch of turning and a bunch of effort like literally i never come i never compost i don't do any work for composting and never turn anything i just take all the food scraps i have 
even grass clippings and other things and throw them in with the chickens with the wood mm. chips. And so between their the ammonia and the nitrogen from their poop and from all the other things that I throw in there, including things they don't eat like onions because they just turn them in, they'll keep turning that and turning that. And after about a year, I have amazing compost mulch to put on my garden. Um, now I move it, but if you did the chicken track or the, uh, I'm sorry, the, the uh, victory garden on steroids idea where you combine this deep litter uh, chicken run with, uh, with the victory garden system, basically you've never got bare soil and the chickens yeah. are creating compost that whole year that they're there for you. Um, so it's this really, really useful system. I've set a couple of people up with, and it's worked really, really well. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. But let them, let them animals do the work for you. Cause a lot that's of them right. will, there's a lot of things animals can do for you besides just feed you when it's over, <laughs> they can, they can work for you in the, in the meantime. And I think that's great. And chickens especially can do some great stuff. I'm doing, you know, quail and rabbit here and even, even those animals, they're not like a chicken in so many ways, but I tell you what, there's still a lot of things they can do for you to, to, to provide for you in other ways, other than just meat and eggs, you know? So, yeah, 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 absolutely. And if people on a small property are looking for a way to, um, to produce meat, because eggs are one thing, vegetables are one thing, they're both great. Um, but a lot of people are thinking about protein production and meat mm -hmm. production. And like you mentioned, quails can be really helpful. Uh, that's a very good way to raise a decent amount of meat in a small space. Yeah. Rabbits are, as far as I'm aware, uh, pretty much the the most sustainable, easiest to raise, uh, easiest to feed animals. They're quiet. Uh, you could you can set them up with a tractor so you can move them around mm -hmm. your yard if you want to keep a yard like you do for your grandkids. You might might keep rabbits in that area and track yeah. them. I, you may not have enough space for that, but. Um, oh, we tractor here. Yeah, I tractor around okay. my yard. We got yeah, I got quail and rabbits and tractors and move them around. Just nice. take them right all the way through the property. Just walk them around gardens, around the trees. Just walk them all over the place in the little tractors I built. Yeah, works yeah. great. That's great. Um, as a uh, preparedness idea, my wife isn't a huge fan of it, but I I haven't gotten rabbits yet, and I really want to. I've worked with them before, but uh, haven't kept them on my current property. And um, I have this evil plan to keep rabbits as a just in case um, and let them be pets for my, my girls. So they can have, you know, the breeding pair of rabbits or, or whatever or breeding trio as pets. Um, and then if we ever needed to, you know, if there was meat shortages or whatever, we'd have this kind of backup plan where we can start breeding them and have rabbits, but they're a, you know, they're, they're a low impact pet um, mm -hmm. for, for kids. And obviously we wouldn't be eating the ones that were, with their pets. Right, right. Um, but you know, it's thinking about things like that is is helpful uh to think about um, you know, backup plans, preparedness. Um yeah. so you can have something that you enjoy for now, but it can also be a benefit down the road too. Sure. Yeah, those are some great first steps. Uh, I think that exactly I mean, again, tr considering trade-offs, I mean, you, you got your time involved, you got money involved, you got your energy involved. I mean, there's these things you're going to, you're going to trade and you got to determine whether it's worth it or not. Or, and there's, and just because, you know, maybe this isn't worth it, maybe there is something you can do, you know, if you, right. you want to grow food, but you don't have time to tend an entire garden, like you said, plant some trees, you know, mm -hmm. you have to wait a little bit longer, but once they start producing for you, it's an, it's just in mass. I mean, we get some pear trees here that just blow me away every year how many pears we get from them and we got apple trees and all these trees and, and i'm telling you nothing really provides more just food in mass than your trees i mean it's just an amazing thing to have and no labor i mean we prune 
it's like I take a weekend every year and prune them. <laughs> so right. other than that, that's the workload, you know? So yeah, things like that. You just make these trade-offs uh, and determine what you can do and if it's worth it. And yeah, I love it, man. That's it's good advice. Really good advice. I, I think another thing to think about when you're thinking about, um, you know, like you had mentioned, maybe not feeling able to, to afford a consult um, is talk with people, but weigh everything, you know, the grain of salt on everything. So um, one of the things in my area is most apples don't grow without, without sprays, but there are a handful of apples like the Liberty apple, the Wolf river apple uh, to a lesser extent, I think the wine sap apple, and there's a few others that are very resistant to what's called the, the cedar rust blight mm -hmm. or the cedar, cedar apple rust. Mm -hmm. um, but most varieties of cultivated apples won't grow well. So having a community of people who have tried things and rather than just and who are local who have tried things and will give you advice based on what they tried, not on, you know, what, what they read somewhere right. is, is really helpful. So, you know, if you're not seeking professional advice, you can certainly seek amateur advice amongst friends and amongst people that you have a community with in your given area, because there's a lot of things that are geographically specific. Or you could just start a podcast and have all these knowledgeable people come on and teach you all they know. And then you, you get free consulting that way too. It's worked for me really well. well that's an option. And then you have uh, tax write-offs as well. I think there you come go. with that. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a good, that's a good idea though. Yeah. You use people around, you use your friends. I mean, there's people in every area and, and you know what? you're going to get the best advice too, because these are people who are doing it in your area and every area is different. Every zone's different. Every region's different and things are just going to grow different. I mean, there's things I'm going to grow here that, you know, you can't grow there and vice versa. And they're not going to grow. You could give me advice for growing something in your area and it may be totally wrong for my area. And uh, so it is good if you can use somebody in your area. Now, some things are kind of universal and they'll work wherever, you know, but right. some things it's nice to have some, some good local contacts there. Like you said, you drive by a place and you see somebody, growing something or doing something you're interested in never hurts to stop and talk to them. See, no. maybe just having a conversation with somebody can teach you a ton sometimes. So yeah. My yeah, friend it, too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's so many people who are excited to talk and meet somebody else who's at least somewhat like-minded. If you're, if you're wanting to grow something and they're growing something, you know, they're at least somewhat like-minded, right? They're, they're right. You have something in common, a place to start from. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody stops by my place and goes, that's a really neat little orchard you have in your front yard. You know, I've noticed that change over the years that you've lived there. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm really interested in that. Tell me about it. I'm happy to do that. Like yeah. that's, that's exciting to meet somebody locally who, who's noticed that, that there's something special about what's being done. So most conversations it, I've ever had with my neighbors is when I've been out working in the garden and they stop and talk to me and neighbors, I never talk to hardly, but we'll have conversation in the garden. Cause I'm kind of an introvert, but if you want to talk about gardening, I'll do that all day long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. And, and, and you know what? We're nobody's in this alone and you're going to go out of the loan. You're going to struggle and you're going to have a lot, make a lot of mistakes. And you know what? It just, you know, you can learn from mistakes, but they don't have to be your mistakes. Right. <laughs> you learn from somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't grow your uh, peppers in a tiny pallet garden is, uh, is my advice. <laughs> yeah. You can avoid mistakes. that. Yeah. Right. I've tried, I've tried a lot of little things like that, that I've seen on Pinterest or whatever, and they just don't, it's always just for the picture. And then that thing failed. <laughs> right. 
yeah, they bought some big plant or transplanted it from somewhere yeah. else. That's how it is almost every time. That's good stuff. Well, definitely want to get all your links in here and stuff. I mean, you have uh, your website, uh, YouTube channel. Or was that the YouTube channel was the lady you were talking about, right? That you wanted in the notes. Um, so, so yeah, I've put that mostly, or I've put all that up myself. Um, okay. I started that before I started the consulting business. So I may end up kind of moving some of that, uh, some of the information from those videos over to new oh, ones. Okay. Uh, Cause I really want to create a repository um, of locally useful information uh, that I've, that I've already done on the love farm, Tennessee, uh, YouTube channel. So yeah, definitely link that. Eventually I'm hoping to have resource links through my Homestead Consulting website. Yeah. Well, that's some good stuff. Anything else you wanted to add? I think there's one thing I want to talk a little bit about. Maybe we kind of touched on this already, but the idea of when you're thinking about trade-offs, you can actually, um, I'm trying to think how to say this, but you can create a, a like a larger disparity between the choices, the the benefit of the choices that you're making by adding in permaculture principles. Okay. Uh, and I think we talked a little bit about function stacking. Yeah. Um, but let's say you're look you're trying to weigh the options of of planting a garden and is it beneficial to you? Well, there's probably a lot of things where you'd say yes, it's beneficial, but it also takes some of my time. It's going to cost some money to get going. Um, but then let's say you function stack chickens on top of that. Like we talked about with the the gardening system where you can mm -hmm. bring your chickens into the garden or use them for composting, but using them to, to keep your garden maintained in the, in the winter and turn the, uh, turn the compost and things like that. So then your, your makes your decision a little bit easier because now you're getting eggs. Now you're getting compost. Right. Uh, now you're reducing in some ways, reducing your cost for the garden. And so making that decision about the garden becomes easier. Um, well, let's say we add a water system in on top of that. So taking care of our chickens is easier because uh, we're we're watering them off of our water collection system and the overflow is going into the garden or being stored so that we can use it on the garden. So now we're spending even less on the garden, less time on the garden because we're not watering it with, say, city water and it grows better. And you start function stacking all these different things together. It makes this idea of trade-offs it makes the decision a lot easier because the 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 disparity between one option for a trade-off and another option uh, becomes greater and and makes the decision a lot easier to make. So, um, I think the other other part of it is we often don't think about the the ethics that we're choosing in the trade-offs, mm, like what's more yeah. more correct. And, and permaculture brings in certain ethics that I think are really important to to Good weigh. Point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in permaculture, you have ethics that, that put boundaries on the decisions we're making. Whereas I think a lot of what's going on with the corruption in the world is basically using fun function stacking without any ethics. Well, I think, yeah, what happened a few decades ago, as far as like monocropping and, and things like that, and then what would turn into with some bad trade-offs. I mean, it was like, we're going to reduce labor. We're going to increase this. We're going to, we're going to, in, in, in return, we're going to like poison the planet, you know, right. the water runoff and the air and everything else. And it was a bad trade-off, you know, so people made the wrong kind of trade-off. Uh, yeah. It can go yeah. both ways really, can it? Like, yeah. Cause when you're making, yeah, exactly. Cause when you're making decisions based on, on the now and not, not actually weighing ethics into it. Yeah. You get red tied with killing millions and millions of, of creatures in the sea yeah. um, and just destroying ecologically creating 
huge chaos that, you know, it might, the, that farmer who's doing that might not see it directly on their property, at least that part of it. But now your trade-off is I get more crops, but I'm also destroying huge chunks of ecology. Right. Um, but yeah, even if you look at like the Flexner report and obviously my, my background is where, where I started down this road was in some of those um, looking at health and seeing where people were trading with, you know, their, their function stacking and making trade-offs without the ethics. And it was, we can make a lot of money, you know, we can systematize healthcare, we can control it from the top yeah. down. And they didn't, they weren't weighing in those ethics and their decisions. And, and you don't even know, I mean, it's like there's just now a lot of things we just still discovering some of the bad that's came from that. I mean, the poor health system and the people that are just, I mean, cancer and the, all the other medical issues. And I mean, a lot of this is caused by a lot of the poisons and food. And I mean, just so many things, you know, just the way things have been done and and because of instant gratification, getting money, getting, or because maybe even in the beginning, uh, it was out of ignorance. They just didn't even know it would cause those kind of problems. But then they get so deep in that rabbit hole. It's like, you can't get out at that point. It's like, we got to keep doing it or, you know, bankruptcy is the only other option. It's like, you yeah. see these large farmers who would love, to do a more of a Joel Salatin style, but to stop what they're doing and switch over to that is it's not even possible it, it quickly. I mean, they can right. turn it around, but it takes forever, you know, and then they, and many of them have started that process and that's good, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a path they went down. That's really hard to get out of. Right. And, um, yeah. I, I, I sympathize with them, but at the same time, it's like, man, you just want to see a stop, you know, yeah. you just want to see a stop. Well, and we need to make decisions that, are multi-generational yeah. right like i i try and think about my children's children or my great-grandchildren and uh what is the decision that i'm making today like how will that affect them yeah. and even if it's, if it's my own tiny little space and it they never know you know it's just my property and my property gets sold off at some point it still makes a difference to be thinking multi multi generational and 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 weighing those ethics when we make decisions about what trade offs we're we're okay with. Yeah, and I I think that's part of the joy I get from like what you do and what I do. We get to like help other people and to think about this and and get started in homesteading um, because you're not only making a difference in your family. Hopefully, you're maybe making a difference in other people's families, and it could be multi generational as well in their right. families. And we get to play a small part in that. And that's there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, I get a lot of joy from that. Just thinking about that. I mean, I've had like you probably a lot of people have, you know, come forward and said, you know, really appreciate what you shared with us here. Cause it's kind of changed the way we live our life now. And that's, that's almost uh, overwhelming to think about that people make those kind of decisions based on some words you say or whatever, but it's like, but it also makes you feel good that maybe they're going to, you know, we don't eat out that much anymore because we're growing our own food or we started, you know, preserving our own food or, or we're not bringing dangerous chemicals into our house and spraying everything down. I mean, you know, all those things are good things. And 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 to think that now they're going to raise their kids with those kind of beliefs and, and now that's going to affect their families when they grow up. And it just goes on and on and on. And I just it, a lot of satisfaction in that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good, man. Uh I think you're absolutely right. I think everything you're saying is, is great. I mean, we need to be thinking about these things. And if people are going to want to go down this path, you know, I, I think that the trade-offs are something you got to think about. 
and but maybe these some people make these trade-offs without even seeing the total value. Um, it's easy to just think food for time or this or that, but you got to look at it in such a bigger picture, as in it's not just food for time, it's healthy food that can affect me for the rest of my life versus time. Right. It's you know, it's like you say, legacy versus time. I mean, it's gonna affect your children, grandchildren. So the trade-off may not be as one for one as somebody thinks. Yeah. It could have a way bigger effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the difference between playing checkers and 3D chess, right? <laughs> you think about all the layers rather than just yeah. the, what's really on the surface. Yeah. I, I had a person one one time, they just want to know, well, can you make, can you give me the ROI on, you know, homesteading? And you know, what's that? What, what? I'm like, well, if you're looking for the dollar amount, to me, that's doesn't almost doesn't even matter. Yeah, yeah, I think I come out way cheaper homesteading than buying organic food and you know buying healthy food and things like that. But that isn't even the point, though. The the the, the ROI is so much bigger than that. Right. So much bigger than that. I mean, yep. it goes way deeper. Yeah, your ROI is is huge. It's it's how do you measure it? Like what? Yeah, you can. <laughs> what are your parameters for measurement there? Because yeah. you could go so deep into to. I mean, even just the way that our the distribution system for how our food gets to us. Um, you know, that's another thing you have to weigh. So it's it's yeah. to to measure what the ROI on homesteading is, or uh, creating your own food, or making a more healthy environment for you to you or your kids to be in. Um, it it's really pretty immeasurable and it's what, what yeah. value you place on it, I guess, is the only way you can measure that. And it can change too, because the, the return on investment today uh, may not feel like it's that big, but when the stores don't have any groceries in them in a month, now the return on investment looks really huge. I mean, yeah. it can just, situations change. So you don't even know beyond that. It could be, I mean, the impact could be even bigger. Yeah. I found out about the egg prices on Facebook. <laughs> kind of me too yeah <laughs> it's like i've got eggs and yeah didn't change yeah. didn't make them any more expensive for me and we'll sell them for half price here they're only nine dollars a dozen yeah. that's right <laughs> <laughs> yep that's that's good stuff man and yeah and you're and i think a lot of people are waking up to that too when they see the problems with the lettuce and eggs and you know and then and of course the whole COVID situation was a big wake up call to people when they went to the grocery stores and half of them, the shelves were empty and, you know, the whole distribution system was failing for a short bit there and things were just falling apart and we didn't know how bad it was going to get. And that's just it. You never know. Right. The next thing is. So, I mean, I've never considered myself a crazy prepper or anything, but homesteading just brings in a, there is just a, some of that that just happens naturally with being a homesteader. I mean, we, we, it's, there's a level of preparedness there yeah. and I think it's important. And, um, yeah, of course, like I said, I think the main reason I ever started doing it, but it's definitely one of the reasons. <laughs> yeah. I think of it, I don't know. I'm sure this term has been used elsewhere, maybe under different circumstances, but I consider it rational preparedness because mm, yeah. you've got the, you know, you've got the kind of like zombie apocalypse preppers who don't really enjoy life because they're so busy stashing away rice and beans and uh, responsible ammo. preparedness is what I've always considered. It's just response. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just a hundred years ago. I mean, people did it and they didn't call it preparedness. It's just life. You know, you had to put things away if you wanted something to eat later, you know, it's just, it's the way it works. It's just, you know, it, it, now that we've become so reliant on the distribution center, we just assume it's always there. And, and when we want it, the minute we want it. And we right. don't think about the fact that, you know, there was a time when you couldn't just go get something when you wanted it. You had to 
plan for that. You had to put it in your cupboards and have it for when you needed it, you know, and, and we just don't think like that anymore. And we definitely should be thinking more like that. And I think homesteading, you know, definitely uh, gives that opportunity to, to change your thinking about it and to, and to actually do it. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It puts you in that mindset. And that's, yep. that's a really good thing without inducing fear. Like you don't yep. have to induce fear yeah. to be in that mindset. Yeah. When I got to say, when the stores, when the shelves were empty on the stores, yeah, there were probably a couple things like everybody wants some toilet paper. I mean, don't get me wrong, but right. when the food was going down, we had plenty in this and we, you know, we had plenty in the shelves. So we were on our cabinet, so we were fine, you know, and we just didn't sweat it too bad. Now, if it went on for months and months and months, everybody's sweating then, but right. you know, for a few months we were fine, you know, it's like, well, we might be a couple things we do without, we might run out of sugar or something. I don't know, you know, but yeah. we're going to eat. We're not going to starve to death. You know? Yeah. I had to go a few times without a uh, heavy whipping cream in my coffee. Yeah. Is, yeah. Whatever. I, I mean, his suffering, but uh, yeah, yeah, I made first it. world suffering there. Yeah. <laughs> and I have plenty of coffee because I know Nicole sauce. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. We've got a connection, local connection. Yep. That's good, man. Anything else you want to throw out there before we shut it down? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. Um, well, that's good yeah. stuff, man. That's really good stuff. And I, I definitely have all the links in there. And uh, if, and if anybody wants to contact you more directly that lives maybe close to you for some co consult, they can just go to your website or reach out to you um, locally there. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think you would. Uh, it would. It's always been said that, you know, a good consultant can save you money if it's something that you truly need. You know, I mean, if it's something you're searching, you're going to change your whole life around, which homesteading can do that. I mean, you can totally rewrite your entire life. And, and, um, I'm telling you, a good consultant could save you a lot of time and work and money in the long run. Cause I've relocated things on my property a few times. I mean, tearing down raised beds, moving this, moving that. I've even uprooted a couple of trees and replanted them in other places. And to have somebody that set you straight the first time would, would have probably been helpful. I'm stubborn though. I like to learn things the hard way. So, you know, but <laughs> if, if you're like that out there, folks, you know, you're welcome to do that, but there probably is a better way. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like there won't be a few things that you may end up changing, but uh, having somebody who can, can help guide you through that, whether it's me or someone else yeah, um, is, is really helpful. I think people will learn a lot that way. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, I uh, thank you for coming on and sharing all this with us. And I think some, uh, some folks will really benefit from it. So appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Harold. I really enjoyed it. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race, I want to flee. My world, I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to of how it's meant to be growing gardens picking fruit racing livestock living free
today.